0: Welcome to Bible Banter with Barb and Jarrett, a podcast from the Episcopal Church of St. Martin-in-the-Fields in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. On today's podcast, we welcome the Rev. Catherine Aikens, pastor of Tabernacle United Church in the University City neighborhood of Philadelphia. In this episode, Rev. Barb, Jarrett, and Katie discuss the scripture for the Feast of Pentecost, year A focusing on the first lesson from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Listen in.
1: Hello, listeners. Welcome to Bible Banter with Barb and Jarrett. I'm Jarrett Kerbel, rector of Church of St. Martin in the Fields. And with me always is... Barb Ballinger, associate for
2: spiritual formation and care.
1: Great to see you, Barb. Thanks for joining me. And we have a special guest today. We have the Reverend Katie Akins from... Tabernacle United Church in West Philadelphia. Welcome, Katie. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. We are so glad you are with us. Katie uh, was part of a long-term Bible study we had, and we've uh, spent a lot of time studying Scripture together. With wonderful uh, results for my preaching, I would say. Thank you, Katie. Thanks. Thank you. Same here. All right, <laughs> and uh, we're going to get right into it today. We got Acts of the Apostles, chapter two verses one through 21, that's Acts of the Apostles, chapter two, verses one through 21. And it's Pentecost Sunday, so we're gonna read the story of Pentecost, and Barb Ballinger's gonna start us out. Thank you, Barb. Sure
2: thing. When the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting.
3: Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter,
1: standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my flesh, my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be to God. Well, there we have it. The Pentecost passage. What's uh, tickling your fancy about our scripture today, my friends?
2: Okay. So I just need to say something about the new wine because This is where everybody giggles in church and I just, I just love this. You rarely get kind of conversations about drinking or drunkenness in the scriptures. And this is this lovely little thing. Like what was the vintage that you would think you would get like multilingual like that's really interesting. (laughs)
3: Like,
2: Oh yeah, they, they must be drinking. They're speaking in different languages or is it the hearers, are they drunk? Like, oh yeah, I could totally get what he's saying. You know, like, what's that about? And then this, like, we don't drink before nine in the morning. That's kind of an interesting clue. You know, I just, I just find that whole thing, like we've got to dispense with this being drunkenness um, to be
1: just hilarious. I love it. Mm. I've, I've always thought it's funny because almost all of us think we speak a foreign language better when we are drunk. <laughs> 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 it's so true. <laughs> If you've ever been like in a foreign country in a bar suddenly you think you're just the best speaker of whatever the language is in the town <laughs> I, well, I know
2: I, some people that only speak it you know probably learned it when they were drunk and really only remember it when they were drunk so
1: <laughs> I also love that the um you know people go for the explanation that seems most obvious to them right so, this amazing, miraculous speaking of languages is happening. And well, we'll find some way to dismiss that. Oh, they're drunk. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> Go drunk, you're home.
1: <laughs> and, and Peter's like, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. And then we get another Twitter in the congregation. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <so much better>. <laughs> <laughs> that
2: explains nothing. <laughs> really, never.
3: Drunk. <laughs> That's funny. I was thinking, actually, on kind of a um, a more like serious note about the the wine. Um, there is kind of this um, interesting piece of that to to because I mean you know often with this passage, you there's just like the big Pentecost event and it's this kind of miraculous thing happening. People are speaking and in languages that they don't normally know how to speak in and there's understanding and cross-cultural understanding and you're, that's often kind of like the place we go with this. Um, but I think it's interesting too, to think about the new, the people who are sneering mm. and like, you know, who are, who are missing the miracle mm. Um, mm. and, and just, you know, what What would it mean if we kind of placed ourselves there? Um, and I, I don't know, I, w- I was reading actually, um, Justo Gonzalez has a nice commentary on acts. And one of the things he he says is that, you know, it's often people who, who like expect to understand. So like people who are in, in an advantaged positions, so, so that like, say like me in a, English speaking majority, you know, um, it would be strange to me if, if I was not hearing that language and, and it would maybe be something I would criticize or feel like, Hey, like I can't understand, you know what I mean? Like that you're, but there, and there's something about like, basically what Gonzalez was saying is that it's possible that these folks who are sneering, are kind of from an, a place of advantage. They're not used to not understanding, yeah. and so they they are kind of in a position to mm. to critique, and then unfortunately are then in a disadvantage in that they they miss the miracle and how and that's sad, you know. So what is that yeah. kind of like? How does that? I've just yeah. I'm curious about. It's an interesting little piece in there. I think that's great, Katie. Um,
1: there it speaks as a critique to me because so many times I proceed from the assumption that I understand, Mm
3: -hmm. you know,
1: part of my privileged makeup is I think I immediately understand things and I've taken groups to Guatemala over and over again and watched them immediately start to kind of diagnose and analyze Mm -hmm. deep inside. I'm thinking to myself, hold, Back for a minute. You know, you're from North America. You don't understand what you're seeing. I understand the desire to analyze and categorize and all these things, but let it go for a minute and let this place speak in its integrity. Eric Barreto, a professor at PTS, um, talks about this passage in a really neat way. He talks about how at Pentecost, it's not that the different cultures are erased or leveled in their specificity it's actually that they are embraced in their specificity yes all the different cultures are speaking their language hmm. this holy spirit works in the particulars of the culture it doesn't erase them it doesn't make them less important uh, that's what Eric says, and I really like it. Barb, you were going to say something?
2: Yeah, um, I'm thinking, too, about um, the sort of intellectual nature of standing back and trying to figure out what's going on. And um, But there is something very intoxicating, very real about what's happening here, and that is that the presence of the Holy Spirit among these people who both speak it and hear it is incredibly intoxicating and joyful and disorienting and staggering. And I, I remember this because years ago, when I was a teenager, I was involved in a, in a retreat. It was like Curcio, you know, those really intense youth retreats. And we would have them several times a year. And at the end of this, you know, three day sleep deprived, overstimulated immersion in Jesus teen retreat, we would have our closing, and we would always read this scripture. Mm. And when it got to the part of um, "they must be," they are filled with new wine. Everyone would giggle because we all felt drunk, and we all felt drunk with this incredible experience of Jesus and one another and church. And it just felt like it felt like a whole new world every single time we gathered in that that really different holy space. And I just I've always remembered that. The spirit is also intoxicating. It does feel like new wine. And
1: something new is happening here
2: in new wineskins.
1: Yeah. Hmm. That's great. Thanks, Barb. That's really fantastic. I really love that the image of God's life among us, God's um, life, you know, is rushing into the world and possessing God's people and making them church, right? That's what's happening here is Jesus has ascended And the Spirit has come down, and the Spirit is going to give us everything we need to do and say the wonderful things Jesus didn't say, said. And so this life of God rushes in, but it doesn't rush in and make us uniform. It embraces us in a cosmopolitan church. You know, from the day one, the body of the faithful is cosmopolitan, it's international. It has many cultures. And that's part of the rich fabric of the faith from the get-go. And I think that's so important because uh, we're living in this age of uh, resurgent nationalism. And mm-hmm. really unfortunate um, American first, America first kind of ideology. And it's really important for the church to say a word that, whoa, you know, God is equally sensible and equally present to the Elamites and the Jews and the Egyptians and the Libyans. We're, we're looking at people who are with us in God, not opposed to us. Mm-hmm. I, I just want that to be preached. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. yeah I was going to say, I, I really appreciate that. Um, Jared. Cause I think that that's, there is a, um, this is, there is a kind of like, to me, almost like this undercurrent message of humility, uh, you know, that there's both this, this like rushing power of God, like you're saying, and what it, what it does is kind of like, it just, it's like leveling the playing field. Right. So that there's like the, um, that this, this power is shared um, and the power, you know, and this understanding and that the, all of these, yeah. And there's not a of difference. There is, there's like a celebration of difference um, and that's such a beautiful, and I do think it, it kind of puts, it's a, it puts the church and pushes the church t- into a place of humility. And also I think really in a place of a repentance for the ways that we have not, um, not heeded this, you know, or we, we've, we've talked about the power of the Holy spirit as being um, kind of giving us authority to erase other cultures and languages Mm -hmm. um for the dominant one you know in the name of the of the gospel or whatever righteous thing we have to say you know (laughs) um and so i think this passage again it just really speaks against that and i think like you're saying i think we need to to hear that and and preach that thank you in this time
1: and building on what you're saying katie um i love that comment about humility um you know, we live a life before God and that's a humble place where we're, we look outside of ourselves to be filled, not in to ourselves to find, you know, like our ego as our source. We look outside of ourselves. And if we look at the prophecy from Joel, not only is this vision um, cosmopolitan and embracing of the difference of ethnicity and culture, it's embracing of gender difference. In a radical way, because in the Joel prophecy, your daughters and sons shall prophesy. And again, it says, even your slaves, both men and women. So it goes out of its way to include men and women as equal recipients of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Which I think caused a lot of problems for the early church, <laughs> both internally and externally, until that got buried and we only recently reaffirmed and also repented, like you said, from our forgetting it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So I'm thinking too that, that what's really beautiful about this and what we need to remember every Pentecost is that this is what the Holy Spirit makes possible. So in, from our sort of prejudiced and privileged places, we often discount the ability for there to be this kind of unity and diversity. We write people off. No one will ever do that. You can't, we can't bring people around. We can't uh, prophesy. No one will listen. The church is dying. And this sense that God makes this possible God makes the language understandable. God removes the barrier. God provides the ability to prophesy. God provides the visions and the dreams. And what we are then are we are vessels for that. We receive that and then what God does God does through us. And it makes me wonder what what is it that we look at right now and say can't be done. Can't be done. Sorry, can't be done. And where is God saying yeah, where's the Holy Spirit saying, oh, oh no, I'm totally going there. And I am totally making this possible. <laughs> and if you want to come with me, then it's going to be a wild ride.
1: Right. The, the Holy Spirit has left the station, and we're on it or not. And, right? Right.
2: She <laughs> has uh, left the
1: building. The Holy Spirit has left the building. Are you still here? <laughs> I'm so sorry. The, um, the, I'll give you a really concrete example to the question Barb just posed, Right. Um, I One of my little current pet peeves is Episcopalians who say things like, well, it's better to minister with your hands and feet than with your mouth, right? Um, Preach the gospel, use your words if necessary, or whatever that saying is, right? And it just annoys me to know, to all get out, that people decide beforehand that they're just going to give up on the word part of our faith, right? The 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 need to have an account for the faith that's in you the need to be able to talk about the gospel and about who God is and who Jesus is all the stuff the Holy Spirit does through us um, liberal Christians and Episcopalians have decided not to do or they're not able to do or they can't do because God forbid they look like another church tradition right and <laughs> this frustrates me so much because it's like wait a second human beings are creatures who give reasons for our actions. You know, a whole human life is both word and action. So to arbitrarily choose one or the other feels like you're avoiding something to me, right? It's like, wait a second, no. um, If someone asks why you care for the poor, you could say, just watch me care for the poor. But you could also say, I care for the poor because Jesus calls me to care for the poor. And that's even more powerful than just caring for the poor. So I think in Pentecost we are reminded that we are also vehicles of the gospel through the inspired word, and the Holy Spirit makes us capable, even then we doubt our ability to do that. So that's a little bit of a rant, but I need to do it.
3: No, I think I have a solution to all for all the Episcopalians in that position. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, and all of no, I well is maybe. it Jesus? It, well. <laughs> um, I well, I was thinking, cause it's a really interesting, I was thinking as you were talking about that, that there, I, I think it was maybe Chad Myers. So some, I read several years ago, this really beautiful connection in Acts to, if you read, if you read the, um, the Greek word used in verse four, for, um, the shoo, 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 the way it, well the way it's translated here is that the divided tongues rested on each of them, but the actual word there is di- was distributed oh. is the word distribute. Hmm. Um, and then later at the end of the chapter two in Acts, when people are still filled with the Holy Spirit and this whole event has has is over and they go decide to share things in common. Um, they distribute their goods oh. to people who haven't mm. have, or are in need. And that word distribute is the same word. So it's like both in the beginning of this chapter and at the end of chapter two is a reference to tongues being distributed and people's distributing their goods, um, which mm. I think is kind of a, it's, I mean, to your point, Jared, it's like, you know, this power that is given to us from the Holy Spirit is one where that involves our tongues. Um, Mm -hmm. It involves our words. Mm -hmm. And and our words can be healing or damning or, you know. Um, But then also the way that the power of the Holy Spirit works is to like push us to share our crap, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, or to share our stuff (laughs) that we don't like, that we don't hold that that we don't keep and hoard yeah. you know so there's this kind of those two things come together even in this passage so maybe all the all of us can think about that that there's no it's not just about sharing your material possessions it's also about sharing your words but it's not a either or it's a both and
1: that's so great katie yeah. the spirit is the holy spirit is an outflowing power right it's it's something that pushes us out it it motivates us outwards. It um, invites us and empowers us to share both the material and, you know, the spiritual, it, both. That's great. Right. Um, Barb?
2: Well, and it, it also strikes me that one, this is what God is doing with God's self. So God is making God's self available to everyone. God is distributing God's self. Yeah. So that, you know, is that. so we're being called to sort of act and be as God is, and the other thing that just strikes me now as we talk about word, is word is something that you can share and not lose. So, you know, sort of like a, a, you know sharing a fire, uh, it, yours doesn't go out when you light another wick. Word is the same way, and what the spirit does is make word possible in this. It makes word understandable and receivable. It makes prophecy happen the spirit makes t- takes away the the things that get in the way
1: of word and then we share word we distribute word mm. that's great yeah. and, and you took me back to retreats it only takes
3: us a five <laughs> <get a> <laughs> Oh wait! I gotta get on in
2: this too. <laughs> oh, I wish you could see us holding our imaginary candles, everyone, <laughs> in our imaginary youth retreats at <laughs> night.
1: Well, this has been great fun. This is great. What a rich passage! We could go on for hours about this. What are some take homes about the Holy Spirit? What what does it do for us? Why is it? So, it takes us into the inner life of God. That's part of what Barb was saying. You know, this inner sharing trinitarian life of god is our life it's our life to share love in that way it's just great what else do we have coming out of this
2: i think it also says this is pentecost is now so be ready for the holy spirit to knock some barriers down and for you to be ready with your word because she's inviting us into it over and over again
1: Mm -hmm. awesome
3: yeah, and I think too, just kind of going back to the beginning, um, to be to kind of be in a position ourselves to be astonished, to be to not um, overlook um, the ways that this that Pentecost is happening today. I think, and to 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 not be sort of those cynics on the outside, um, but to to realize that we are both recipients of this, of, of this miracle um, and we're also participants, right? We're like called into the story and there's power being distributed upon us and gifting us and what does that feel like to be a part of that and to really kind of claim that as a gift of God in this time of pandemic too, which is an interesting challenge, yeah.
1: Well, thank you, Katie. Thank you, Barb. Uh, those are great take homes. I uh, thank you for using your words and for sharing your yeah. words. <laughs> They're powerful words. I, I, I'm i going to take a lot at home from this and I'm grateful to you. Uh, thank you listeners for listening to uh, Bible Banter with Barb and Jared and our special guest, the Reverend Katie Akins from Tabernacle United Church in West Philadelphia. Uh, we are so happy you are with us, Katie, and uh, thank you for listening all who tuned in today.
0: Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Episcopal Church of St. Martin-in-the-Fields in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, review it, or share it with a friend. This episode was hosted by the Reverend Jarrett Kerbel and the Reverend Barbara Ballinger. It was edited by me, Natalie Hill. Our music is Sunday Drive by Silent Partner from the YouTube Audio Library. Thank you to this week's guest, The Rev. Catherine Aikens, pastor of Tabernacle United Church. You can learn more about Rev. Aikens and Tabernacle United at www.tabunited.org. You are welcome to join us for worship online, both Sunday mornings and weekdays. Find the full schedule on our website at www.stmartinec.org forward slash worship. To learn more about the ministries and activities at St. Martin's, including biblical studies, Wellspring spiritual formation programs, and volunteer opportunities during COVID-19, please visit stmartinec.org. We'll be back again next week.